Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light into your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra, and I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and a lived survivor of an eating disorder. So everything I share has relevance and I've been in your shoes. So I'm here to guide you on your journey. In today's episode, I am actually going to be talking about my own recovery story. It's something that's been highly requested for a while and I've put it off because I didn't know the best way to approach it. So I want to make you all aware, you know, there's a trigger warning on this episode. I won't be mentioning any numbers or any kind of behaviors, but I will be mentioning some topics that you might find triggering and I and I want to give you that option. I've got so many other episodes that you could listen to that will not come with a trigger. So this episode is going to be talking around themes around eating disorders and my own journey, but I hope it's useful and and helps give you some reassurance that recovery is possible and that you can get there no matter how long or short you have been suffering. So without further ado, I'm just going to dive straight in. So I suffered with anorexia, um, restrictive subtype for um, around 10 years. Now I'm going to go back right to when I was a child. So let's think around three, three to four. I was quite an overweight child. I would say that I struggled with emotional eating at the time. I kind of maybe know the reasons why, but you know, I was an only child. I have such a good relationship with my parents, but I think I struggled when I was was alone. And I then turned to food, I think, um, and ate a lot and therefore was a bigger, a bigger child than my peers. Um and Although looking back, I don't think I was necessarily obese or actually too big at all, but I was much bigger than my peers. And I, you know, experienced quite a bit of bullying between the ages of, you know, from what I can remember, three, four, up until the age of about 12. And I was always kind of known as the funny one or the bigger one. And I always felt different. I always felt the outsider and my weight played a part of that. And I would say that things happened during my time at school that contributed to my emotional eating further. Later on, when I was around 12, I was brought up down south in south of England. Um, and when I was about 12, um, my parents and I um, moved up to the north of England. And that transition was quite hard for me. Me and my mum were just um, living us two alone for around six months due to my dad's work. He had to stay down there. And I re- remember both my mum and I turned to food during that time to cope with that transition. And therefore I gained a lot more weight than I had already. So I was already overweight, but I would say that's the point that I got to at my biggest. I'm going to add a little segment in all of this is during my, I suppose I was, must've been about seven or eight when my parents took me to the doctors for being overweight. They were put under a lot of pressure from the health visitors that, you know, I should be you know, made to, made to lose weight into a healthy weight bracket. And I think those were the first kind of signs whereby I was very conscious that I was not like everyone else, that there was a stigma maybe attached around my weight. And, you know, I don't know if you can, you know, reflect on the time if you had this at the end of my 
high school journey I must have been in year oh no it was primary school I must have been in year six and we were all weighed and given a category and I remember I was probably the only one out of all my friends who fit into the overweight category and it just made me feel really really you know like the outsider like I wasn't good enough like my weight was the thing that was setting me apart and you know to add everything else into the mix I have a family history of OCD a highly perfectionist you know, very kind of, I suppose, controlled personalities. And in some respects, I was setting myself up for a a perfect storm, as you'd put it. So I'm going to jump back into when I was 12. My parents, you know, had moved moved us up north. I got um, into another school. um, And a little caveat in all of this, I was actually brought up in a meditation community. I went to a meditation high school. And I think my parents thought that being in a, you know, more of a, a subtle or or a pleasanter school environment it was a lot smaller then I wouldn't experience so much bullying but I did and I got bullied and I actually ended up moving up a year in high school so you know I wouldn't get bullied so much now during that time I think naturally I was you know making more friends I was growing up I was going through puberty I I did start to lose a bit of weight naturally and maybe maybe I would have lost weight naturally if I'd have just let my body do its thing but unfortunately my eating disorder took hold and around 13 I got involved in another friendship group and this friendship group was about two years older than me and it was actually specifically two girls and I have nothing bad to say about these two girls but I would say that this is maybe what triggered my own eating disorder through learned behavior now one of the girls and not going to name just in case anyone listens to this but yeah one of the girls specifically had um bulimia at the time um and maybe an um binge restrict purge subtype I don't really know at that time I didn't know too much about eating disorders but she definitely displayed um signs of an eating disorder and we we I suppose I was I was it was deep dive into the world of eating disorders I learned about the horrible um tumbler um era of of you know, fitspiration or thinspiration. And I, it just triggered this thing in me that I could be that. I could be what they were, I suppose, glorifying that I was going to be this, this amazing liked girl that, you know, wasn't the outsider because I was the one who never had a boyfriend. I was the one who was never attractive enough to boys. And I always felt not good enough. And I think through the bullying, you know, I had a susceptibility to, I had a susceptibility to anorexia. My, my family history is an OCD. So, you know, they, they're very, very closely linked. So, you know, my friend had an eating disorder and I started to also develop an eating disorder through just a simple, I'm going to go on a diet, which then very, very quickly turned into uh, a full-blown eating disorder. But the the problem in all of this was, is I started losing weight when I was about 13. Now I was, you know, I would say on the higher end of the overweight spectrum. So yes, I lost weight, a significant amount of weight within six months. You know, I was still within a healthy weight range, you know, but I had an eating disorder. And this is where I really empathize with individuals who start recovery within a healthy weight range, because, you know, maybe maybe the NHS or medical services haven't, you know, given you that reassurance that you do have a valid eating disorder at that point, because obviously weight, unfortunately plays a part in all of it. But I knew I had anorexia when I was in, 
maybe even the overweight range. I was, you know, I, I struggled with anorexia and I was overweight, which, you know, sometimes people would look at and I, and I've said very openly and honestly, that is the truth. And I've had some stigma around that. However, my mum, you know, it was obviously concerned about my weight when I was overweight, took me to the hospital and I saw numerous dietitians for that, but then became concerned around my behavior when I became very rigid and lost a lot of weight, even within a healthy weight range. And I remember it must be around, I must've been 14 at this point, And I was starting to kind of verge on the underweight bracket. But my mum took me to my doctors specifically because I'd lost my period at this point. And I, you know, I'd always been very, I suppose I'd been very developed or mature for my age and, and I'd got periods early. I'd, you know, got boobs early and so at 14 I was taken to the doctors by my mom and um, my mom expressed her concern that I lost a lot of weight and I'd lost my period and you know she thought maybe I had an eating disorder but unfortunately the doctors turned around and said well no she's in a healthy weight range she can't have an eating disorder and I was turned away at that point that was a kind of a, a signaling to me that I wasn't sick enough and you know I obviously work with so many people now in my coaching trying to help them out of that mindset of what is sick enough because I was sick enough at that point but you know I don't think I or my family knew enough about eating disorders to go down the private route nor did I kind of acknowledge that I had an eating disorder I was very much in denial at that point and that's another thing that you know I could add to it I was like well I'm a healthy weight I haven't got any problems I just don't eat very much a little like kind of side note in all of this, I never really struggled with exercise um, or, or even, you know, any other kind of behaviors. It was mostly just restriction. So I was very much straight down the line, very controlled, unfortunately downloaded the devil, my fitness pal, um, and then became very, very rigid around amounts and, and obsessive with my weight and, and getting to a lower weight was much more the focus of my eating disorder. But anyway, at this point, I must have been like just just 14 and a half. And when they said I wasn't sick enough to have an eating disorder, I spiraled very, very quickly. I, at this point, decided that I was going to lose a lot more weight. Um, it was a conscious choice. I wanted the help, but I didn't think that I was going to get it without losing weight, um, which is a real shame because I might have been saved from <laughs> 10 years of anorexia. So I just went really, really downhill. I, I actually um, was in my last year of exams at, at high school at this point. So I must've been about 15. And I got to a point where, you know, my weight was low enough. I was admitted into CAMS at the time. So that's um, the UK Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. I was put under a team. During this year, I was actually, um, it was around my exams. Um, I was admitted into like a general hospital for about a month. I remember I was on a children's ward with people with measles, mumps, shingles. And I was a 15-year-old girl who didn't know why she was there, uh, just wanted the help, but was so scared around food that, you know, I didn't see a way out at that point. I actually ended up doing my GCSEs in hospital, um, in that general hospital. And I did surprisingly well, considering I was very, very malnourished and I was just in a very, very bad place. Um, you know, I was lost. I didn't see a way out of my eating disorder. I didn't see, you know, uh, at the same time, I didn't see that I had a problem. I was very much in denial. And I was given an ultimatum at, at that point that if I didn't, you know, 
start um, my recovery process in the community, then I would go into inpatient. And I didn't want that at that point. I knew that I needed to be at home. I wanted to go to college. It was on the horizons for me. So I did get a little bit better and I managed to you know, finish my GCSEs and then I went to a sixth form college. So I must have been around 16 at this point. But I quickly went downhill again. I think the stress of a new environment, I was very much being monitored by my parents. So they would come every lunch and snack time. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't really eating my meal plan. I was very sneaky. I found ways to restrict still because my eating disorder, unfortunately, had such a hold over me and, and the therapy wasn't working. So it must have been from the September to the December. So I'd started sixth form college and it was the December. I think 2015, um, I was admitted into an inpatient unit. So it was a private unit. However, it was funded by the NHS. And I was admitted the day before Christmas. And so I spent Christmas Day, um, one of my first days, an inpatient. Yeah, in, in an inpatient unit specifically for eating disorders with around 12 other girls. And as much as it was a triggering environment and definitely uh, made me start some behaviors I probably didn't have in in before I went in it did save my life you know I was at a point where I was not um, able to do it myself and I stayed in that inpatient unit for probably just under a year between the time of uh, admission and discharge and at the last point I did decide to discharge myself I was and I, looking back, I maybe regret it. I was slightly below a healthy weight. I hadn't fully rate restored, but I, at that point, knew that this was doing more harm than good at that point. I said at that point twice, it just wasn't doing me any good. And I, I'm glad I, I was discharged and I, you know, kind of started at home recovering. Now, what I would say is life was a lot better for me at that point. I must have been 17, finished my GCSEs, um, obviously in hospital was in, I went back to college when I was discharged. So I didn't manage to do my first year at sixth form. So I went back to a col- another college. I wanted to try another college to, you know, have a new start, you know, create a new identity, not one linked to my eating disorder. And it was helpful for me having that independence. I had to keep myself accountable. I managed to finish my A-levels. I actually ended up getting like four A-stars and I know you're going to think, oh, she's showing off, but it was more for the fact that I was, I am a high achiever. I know that of myself and it's very much linked to my eating disorder. And that's why I've tried to break away from that high achieving mindset. It's been part of my recovery. When I finished my college, I would say that I was very much living in quasi recovery. At that point, I ended up getting an apprenticeship, um, which was a three-year working and studying apprenticeship in York. Um, I won't name the company, um, but I I worked there for three years. I lived on my own. I wanted to live in a house share, but I knew that my eating disorder wouldn't like that. I kind of thought I'd recovered, but I was very much living as a shell of myself. I didn't really engage in social activities or social eating, anything that involved food, I didn't engage with. I had a very set daily meal plan per se. I ate enough and I was well and I could very much live on my own and I did not restrict once, but I wasn't living. And then I, a lot of different things happened. I, you know, at this point I was 20. So between 17 and 20, yes, three years, I experienced a lot of trauma. Um, 
trauma in which I'm not going to go into, but I had um, a very, very hard time. And I think my eating disorder clung on to that. And I ended up kind of relapsing somewhat. Uh, I got involved in another relationship that also wasn't positive. It was kind of like two years of, I'd say, living with my kind of eating disorder again until I was about 22. No, I was 21. It was a year. I lie. I'm going back with days. So maybe 21, maybe five years, five years ago, you know, I was really suffering with my eating disorder again. And then I made the decision that I didn't want this anymore. I didn't want to be in this cycle. I didn't want to potentially go back to hospital. I was an adult now, you know, I didn't want to lose my life. So I ended up reaching out for help. I went back into adult services, which were crap um excuse my language so I didn't stay with them long but I ended up having a private um counselor and it really really helped me and then um decided to go traveling on my own and I'd say that that's what opened it opened up my like eyes to what life was like without an eating disorder I had to be free I had to you know be flexible traveling didn't allow me to be rigid with my food you know and I I discovered the world. I did various different traveling stints. I did Morocco. I volunteered with children in Morocco for about a month. I then went to Thailand, met one of my closest friends, and we stayed out there for an extended period of time. And then I did lots of other traveling bits that year. And it just gave me a new lease of life. And, you know, by this time I was around 21, 22. And then I got into a new relationship, one that I am in now. super positive relationship one of the best relationships that I've ever had in my life you know I'd, I think my negative romantic relationships definitely contributed to my eating sort of staying in my early early 20s and before and then I decided to buy a house and I suppose life life just carries on and I was very much like just living um, and I've been living for the last like four years I would class myself as recovered. It's very hard when you've had an eating disorder to know what recovered looks like, but you kind of just know. I don't, my eating disorder doesn't rule me. Um, and I don't, you know, I suppose my eating disorder is something that I experience and is part of me. And I know when I'm stressed, I have to take care of myself. Like it's very much like I acknowledge that I had an eating disorder and that I have tendencies towards obsessive behavior around food. I'm going to be nice to myself and I am going to engage in a lot more self-care practices. A lot of kind of other things happened. You know, I was uh, involved in a clinical trial, actually one that um, I'd like to share at some point. I can't yet, but when the results are out, um, I'll be able to, um, which was about some kind of groundbreaking treatment for anorexia. um, And that helped in, it was kind of in the last five years that, you know, just concluded my recovery really. Um, I'd say that that was like the final door closing and, and me, and me just making peace with myself. Obviously I have a susceptibility to OCD, you know, my close family members do have it. Um, so I just need to be, be aware, but I've done so much healing. I've got more healing to do more around my trauma, you know, but I have an understanding of the role my eating sort of played in my life. I understand why it kept me safe during times of trauma. I understood that it's not a healthy coping mechanism, more that it's a maladaptive one. And I don't want it to be part of my life. You know, I, ha- I want to have children. I have a healthy period. I have a lovely partner. I have a house. I have so many great things that my eating sort of does not have a role in. And I never 
want it to play a part in my life again. But it hasn't been smooth sailing. I'd say my recovery journey took 10 years and that, you know, is, is one that, you know, was incredibly hard. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And that's why I chose to work within the eating disorder space as a recovery coach is because I want to change other people's lives. I don't want other people to be the 14 year old girl that I was that was turned away from treatment that was made to feel like a shell of a person. I didn't see a point to life at that point. I was 14 years old. I should do. And like fast forward 11, 12 years now, I am thriving and I've got more thriving to do. There's always more self-care healing that we can do as people. I'm constantly evolving, but I would say that in regards to my eating and my relationship with myself and my body, I'm in the best place that I've ever been in my life. I, you know, have actually, with all of this, I used to be a fashion influencer and do pageants. Now that's something I think was fueling my eating disorder. I've done a, a TED talk on um, my, the impact of being an influencer on my mental health. And I actually, about a year and a half ago now, decided to log out of my fashion influencer account and we'll start this Flourish with Keandra project. And at that point, it was about raising awareness about eating disorders. I wanted a platform where I could share information. It was very much more information based rather than this is my recovery journey because I saw that there wasn't that many resources out there. But, you know, that also contributed to my further recovery and, and accepting myself and, and not seeing my worth tied around other people's acceptance because it's not. My worth is my worth and I am good enough whether I have a thousand likes on a picture or not. You know, I am me whether weight is not part of that. I am who I am personality-wise, obviously, I have a body and it is very important for me to look after that, but I am not my body and it's taken me a really long time to realize that. So when I, you know, moved away from the fashion space, I trained as a counselor and a coach and a nutritional advisor and I kind of just wanted to help others and I didn't think it was going to be in the eating disorder space. I remember when I got out of hospital, I said, I am never going to work with eating disorders ever again because I want to go further away um, than I could ever go. And then I worked within marketing and I still, you know, do work within the marketing space as well, but I want to help others. I want to help others achieve, you know, achieve freedom like I have. Um, and it's not me putting myself on a pedestal being like, I have an amazing life. I have my crap. <laughs> I have my bad days. I have my down times, but I don't use my eating disorder to cope with it. And that is a big difference. I am able to separate the two and see um, and use healthy coping mechanisms. But it's a learning process. It's been a long journey. I've got some incredible friends, a supportive partner, my the best parents ever. And obviously, we've had our troubles with my eating disorder. It was not easy, but they have stuck with me every step of the way and they will continue to do so. And I know not everyone is in that position. But through my page and through this podcast, I want to spread as much awareness as possible. Um, for as many people. Um, and obviously at the moment within my coaching space, I have got a wait list, unfortunately, but I will be bringing out group coaching in the next kind of, I say two to two months to, to four months space. So it will mean a more affordable, you know, um, care than, um, one-on-one coaching, which I know comes with a price tag and not able for all. But yeah, I, I hope you've found this episode useful or just 
or just help you give a bit of insight and maybe into my own journey and how it is possible to recover. I hope you've not found any of these themes triggering. I've tried to be as kind of generic or or leave out as much kind of triggering information as possible because it's just not helpful. I'm not ever going to be one to share weights or my lowest weight. All, all you need to know is I was very poorly. I was in hospital and I did get better and it's possible for you to get better. So if you do have any questions or concerns, please reach out to me via info at flourishwithkiandra.com and I will you know, get back to you or you've got my social media accounts, which will be in the show description. But as always, I'm here um, to hold your hand through this this hard journey uh, and just reassure you that you will get there and there is a life outside an eating disorder. But yeah, for now, I am going to love you and leave you and reach out to you in the next episode. But yeah, thank you again for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you have a chance, please leave a review, um, hopefully a positive one um, uh, down in the 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 podcast player of choice and um, normally apple podcast it's easier to to review or spotify or whatever i would really really appreciate it every one of you makes this project possible so yeah take care and i will speak to you all soon